Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Amen. So, so we've been covering the last um, couple of weeks, specifically the book of Isaiah, as we address the power, ability, the functionality of the Holy Spirit throughout the scriptures. And the reason why this is important, and, and um, as, I, as I think about my preaching, teaching style in contrast to others, I realize what makes what I do a little bit different than most people. So if we had to read, and, and Pat's gone to... Uh, Pam's gone today, but when she first came to the church, she said, Pastor, you're a, you're a, a Bible teacher, and in truth, this is, a, this is a Bible church, and that's something I never really considered uh, when we promoted or when we marketed during this church. We kind of marketed as more of a, a seeker-friendly church. I'm not kind of castigate or, 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 or speak negatively about a seeker-friendly church, but those churches are really churches designed to help you with Christian living. Anybody ever go to the, um, um, what's the bookstore that's still around, the only one? Barnes and Nobles. You go to Barnes and Nobles, you go to the spiritual section, they have a Christian religion section, and they have a Christian living section. And that's where I believe most churches today come from. They come from the Christian living. So they, they help you, quote, quote, live your life. But, but a teaching pastor is more so designed to help you with discipleship. And that's what makes me different than most churches. 
So if you want to know, if you're trying to explain why this church is different, outside of me being a former Viking or having gray hair, being from West Virginia, um, the, the fact that I'm a teaching pastor who likes comma books, those two things are real, right? Amen. You can get amen there. Sorry, our, our TV is out today, um, so we only got one today, but we'll jump in nevertheless. So I'll pray and we'll get started. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to teach your word, Lord God. I pray that your people hear it and they're transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. As I try to think about today's message, I was really perplexed because it's a very kind of nuanced sermon, but it's, it's powerful, if you, if I believe, if you get it. The video today, I felt like, could have been the whole sermon. Wasn't that video powerful? But when you think about the opposite of love, what do you normally think about? Somebody said it. Hate, right? Now, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Now, we don't know necessarily if love is the opposite or antithesis of fear, but we know love has the power to drive out fear. And according to what we saw, if we think that's scientifically verifiable, if it's empirical, then we know everyone walks around with, in this binary, meaning two. Either they're walking in fear and they've lived a life based upon fear, or they're walking in love. And, and by and large, that word love isn't just a regular love. It's the biblical word love, which Jesus Christ introduced to us, which was what? Agape. It's the sacrificial type love. And when we live in love, we don't, we don't walk around in fear. And, and truthfully, I, I struggle with that a long time because I try to figure out how does love cast out fear. But then if you think about my my kids, if they were, if, if, if I was trying to tell Augustus, who you saw was having a, a rough morning, right? And he ran in regards to how frustrated, and Barb even said, Pastor, do you want me to take him from you? And I was like, it's okay, Barb. I can make it, right? Even if I'm ultra frustrated, right, because he's not listening. And Augustus ran out into the street. And I saw a truck coming with a Green Bay Packer sign on it. Right? My response would be automatic. It would be what? Save him. I would not even think about getting hit by the Green Bay Packer truck, even though as my life is flashing before my eyes, I would notice, hmm, that's interesting. Taken out by the Packers. Oh! <laughs> right? I, I would have noticed that. But, but I would not have had fear because love casts out fear. And the problem is a lot of us don't have this motivation for God because we don't allow love to be the primary motivator in our actions. And if love isn't the primary motivator in your, in your actions with God, then really you're operating out of fear. Some people come to church because what? They're afraid. If they don't come to church, then they'll go to hell. That's fearful. But truthfully, the reason why hopefully you're coming to church is because you want to express your love to God during praise and worship. And you want to know more about God because you love him so much because he's done so much for you. And because you're learning how to love him, there should be some type of passion in your heart that exists to help you want to know more about him. Now, for those of you who've been married for any period of time, you know that one of the main tricks in marriage is not to think you know your spouse completely. Oh, everybody laughing. <laughs> Pastor Dave, can I repeat that? I'm just 
Uh, you can say it again. <laughs> Some people think they know their spouse completely for whatever reason, and I'm telling you, you're deceived, right? <laughs> I knew my dad's going. I was, I was baiting my dad, just so you know. But nevertheless, you, you don't know your spouse completely. Because as soon as you think you do, you'll what? <laughs> you'll be surprised. You'll, 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 you'll take advantage of them. You'll, you'll start assuming stuff. And, and then what happens is instead of growing closer, you start what? Growing apart. Because you're like, oh, I got them. I know who they are. I know how they function. I knew why they did that. I've been with them long enough. I know everything about them. And truthfully, we don't. And, that, and that's the challenge because when you think you know everything about God, you, you lose this desire to seek him. We prayed, I think we prayed yesterday, it was a yesterday before someone, no, it was, it was yesterday in the late prayer group, um, Craig brought up, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And as I was praying, I feel like the Lord was trying to tell me that the scripture says seek, but it didn't necessarily say you will find him. See, it's in the seeking that this activity happens. And it's in the seeking. So when you, when you get married, if you want your fire to still light and be passionate about the one you love, you have to have a mentality that I have to constantly seek after my spouse. They, don't they tell you that if you read any Christian living books about, about uh, being married to your spouse? You're supposed to constantly what? Date them. Because if you act like you got them, then what happens, right? The, the marriage starts, they'll, they'll look at your spouse and are like, when are we going to start dating? Don't do that. I'm just trying to say, when, when you consistently date your spouse, even though you have your spouse, the, that space is provided for you to consistently like long and yearn and desire for more. That's intimacy. And that's hopefully what you should be desiring from God. That when you love God, you come to church not because you're just trying to do this insurance thing or this will thing or just, hey, I'm coming here because I don't want to go to hell. But you're coming to church because, you know what, I love him so much, man. This is just another opportunity I have to be with him. That when he whispers, I, I hear his name. Man, I love God so much. I, I just want to please him. Got a quote? It says, only he who can say the Lord is the strength of my life can say of whom shall I be afraid. We're in Isaiah chapter 44. And remember, Isaiah is not chronological, but it's hard to miss God's sovereignty in putting it together. We know I say often, I've said this several times, that Isaiah historically, a lot of scholars had doubt that Isaiah was one whole book. So they called it first Isaiah and what? Second Isaiah. Until the, the scroll was found, and I can't even pronounce the name of the area, but nevertheless, in, in the area where they found all the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? In that area, they found one whole entire scroll of Isaiah, which put the rest of the argument that it was written by two different authors, right? And I also talk about Isaiah. Remember the part I love about Isaiah? Isaiah has how many negative or judgment chapters in it? 39. And how many books are there in the Old Testament? And then it has 27 positive, I kind of gave it away, 27 positive affirming chapters. And then how many books are in the New Testament? 27. In the middle of the book of, of Isaiah is chapter 53, and it talks specifically about the Lord dying for us, the suffering servant. In the middle of the New Testament, it, in the last, in the middle verses, and he, these, these 
three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these are, are love. I mean, it's just like, that's, if, if you think that it happened by accident, you're, you're deceiving yourself. That's not a coincidence. Like, God put that together for a reason. And so understand that when Isaiah, even though it's not written chronologically, God put it together in such a way to highlight almost his signature that he is in control of all these things. And when you go to Isaiah chapter 44, you have to understand the reader was someone who was in Babylon. And they're hearing these promises God's given to Isaiah finally after probably all these different, other pro different prophecies about judgment. Because remember, the people are judged. Their homeland is gone, and they're sitting in a foreign country thinking, wait a minute, is their God stronger than our God? Should we capitulate and surrender to how they live, to their way of life, or should we stay faithful to God? And Isaiah here is trying to tell them, stay faithful to God. They're probably afraid. They're probably like, why should I even try? Shouldn't I just give up? Shouldn't I give up hope? Things aren't going to work out because Israel is gone. What about the promises? What about God's faithfulness? Like, this is hopelessness here. But Isaiah now is starting to write in a way to give them hope, hopefully. This, I like this. So, then in chapter 43, it's God speaking about judgment, but then 44, it says here, yet. So that word yet is a, is a what? Is a contrast. For those of you who are in inductive Bible study, you know it's contrasting whatever came before it. So something negative comes, then something positive here is being contrasted, an ideological contrast. So here, it says, here now, O Jacob, my servant. What's always interesting is when God calls Israel, Jacob, what is he really saying? You're in trouble. Because Jacob means what? Supplanter or deceiver. And so whenever you see God say Jacob, referring to Israel, he's referring to their old nature. This is how the Bible so awesome, right? Because remember, God changes the people's name and they stay changed, right? Remember Paul had a name, what was his first name? And he was given a new name? Jacob had an old name. What was it? Jacob. And then he had a new name, which was? Abraham had a name. And what was called then, eventually? Abraham. So, so you see, and, and then God doesn't vacillate. He always just calls him his new name and never goes back, except referring to Israel. So every time you see God call Israel Jacob, he's referencing, referencing their old nature, this sinful, rebellious Israel. Now, watch it. This is very cool. It says, Hear now, O Jacob, my servant. Now, a conjunction, and O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Now, what's cool there? Look, he's referring to the same nation in two different ways Jacob and Israel. Now, this is not a mistake, this is done on purpose. So, watch this. Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Now, what's, what you have to think is, man, he called these people Jacob, but these he called Israel. Israel, the one who what? Wrestled with God and man and one. That's, that's what Israel means. And so, here, Jacob, oh, you deceiver, my servant. Oh, Israel, the one who wrestled with God and man and one, my chosen so there's a, a distinction there regarding this same group of people. Go on. Thus saith the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you? 
So now he's talking to them while they're in Babylon. He's trying to say there's a demarcation or a separation of the people, but everyone is a servant. But there were some people there who are his chosen ones. And that word chosen is, is choice, just like a choice piece of steak. We talked about it last time. For those of you who went to Morton's, Manny's, Ruth Chris, Pittsburgh Blue. I, did I hit everybody? Remember these that had the... Uh, was that steakhouse cattle company a long time ago around here? Anybody remember that? Man, I, when I played with the bike, I used to eat there by myself all the time. I was like a protein fiend, but it disappeared, so I don't know what to do now. So, so listen to what this says. God's going to help them. He's the one who formed them. He's in control, and then when did God form Israel? In Egypt. Like, he, he's the one who did all that. So even though you look at this horrific situation Israel was in, God did that. So he's in control of their lives. Remember, they're in Babylon. They're in a hopeless situation. And God is harking back to the situation where it was beyond hopeless when they were in Egypt. And God said, I formed you there in that hopeless situation. We should give them encouragement now to say, you can make it. You'll be okay. He says, fear not. Oh, Jacob, my servant. And you... Jeserun. Now, what that word means is upright. You see, still, he makes a demarcation between Jacob, my servant, Jacob, my servant, and now Israel, whom I've chosen, and Jeserun, whom I've chosen. Once again, same nation, different groups in the same nation. Because just because they are Israel doesn't mean they're God's people. It goes on to say, for, this is, this is why they shouldn't fear. This is the main point. I hope I almost missed it. Why should they not be afraid? For, which is an explanation, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants. Now, when you read that, you're like, what? Let me try that again. You're, when you read that, you're like, what? Like, that doesn't make me fear not, God. I'm still fearful after reading what you just said. He goes on to explain it. This is why this is cool. He goes on to say, and my blessing on your offering. And so if you, if you just read that, you're like, man, I went through that so fast, I don't really understand it. But once again, he says something and then explains what he says afterwards. I heard you, Nate. I know that wasn't your fault. So listen to this. I will pour water on him who was thirsty and floods on the dry ground. Then he goes on and explains it. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. So what he's saying is, don't be afraid because I'm going to pour my spirit on your offspring, on your descendants, on your kids and their kids' kids. Also, I'm going to give my blessing to your offspring. Now, this is where meditation is important. Because you read a scripture like that, you're like, well, what does that mean? Is that really important? Think about it. They're in Babylon. So they think there's no future. They're hopeless. But God is telling them, I'm going to bless your children. And your children's children. And so for the individual who's reading that, they're saying, you know what? That's okay. Because if God's going to bless my kids, then they're going to make it. And, and if God's going to pour his spirit out on my descendants, it's going to be okay. 
And even though things look bad now, there's a future ahead. And, and thank God he, he's considered that and he's made provision. Not only that, but they're going to be blessed. And we all like blessings. And so what God is saying is because of this, you shouldn't be afraid. Because I'm going to take care of your future. Now what's even awesome, more awesome in my mind is this right here, I will pour my spirit on your descendants, should be the reason why they should not be afraid. It's, I, I, when I read that, I said, okay, God, fear not. So you're going to say, I'm going to defend you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch out for you. I'm going to do. He, he said, fear not because I'm going to send my spirit ahead to your kids. And I'm like, well, God, what about trouble? What about hurt? What, what about struggles? You, you didn't say you're going to take care of all the problems. You said, fear not because I'm going to put my spirit on your descendants. And God thinks that's okay. God thinks that's good enough. God thinks that statement should make you be at ease. He thought that was okay for them. Is that okay for you? Wherever you are right now in your life, if God came to you right now and told you, I'm going to bless your, your children. I'm going to bless your children's children. Would that make you feel comfortable or confident? There, there was a king in the Bible, oh my gosh, who was the last good king? And he died, he let all the, um, was it Hezekiah? He let the Babylonians into his uh, king, in his temple. You saw, so anybody know, so Hezekiah makes me so upset. I, don't, I know you like him, but think about Hezekiah, right? Hezekiah was one of the good kings. He started a revival in Israel, and he, did, he got rid of some of the old, like, uh, you know, false worship, bell worship, and then Babylonians came into his temple, and, not his temple, in his kingdom, and he showed them everything, all his house, he showed them, he showed them everything, and then, and then he was like satisfied, right, but then before this, he actually almost died of a sickness, and he was crying so bad, he was like, God, he was crying, like God, he, he was weeping, the Bible said he was weeping, and he was crying, because he didn't want to die, so God gave him, I'm like, 15, 10, 17 more, how many? 15 more years. And he was confident. He was, felt good. He's like, I got 15 more years. So he's walking around with his chest out, like, you know, like a, a rooster, right? Like he's, he's all good. And then he shows back the, the, it, the emissaries of Babylon into the house of God. And God said, you're going to lose all that, everything they saw. And he's not even crying. You know why? Because it's not going to happen to him. <laughs> it's going to have those kids. And I'm like, you don't even care about your children? That, 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 that always tears me up. I'm like, how could you be okay with that, Hezekiah? Like, you don't even care about your kids. He's like, well, I don't care because I'm okay. And, the, and that attitude has always struck me as odd. How could you care so much about your own life that you don't care about your children's life? He goes on to say, now, this is, this is what the blessing, he describes what the blessing will be. He says, they will spring up among the grass like willows by the water courses. So I'm not, I'm country, but I'm not willow country, right? Does everybody get that one? So I don't know how willows grow, so I had to go on, like, YouTube and look up, like, willows, and they're very, what, resilient. Anybody know willows? Wisconsin people, you probably know. I'm not trying to call you out, but I know there's... Okay, okay, so that's, 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 that's PC, right? I can say that. <laughs> so, if, so if you understand willows, those things grow, you can cut them up in little, little things, right? Like small one-inch pieces of, you can cut it up and put it in the water, and that thing will what? Grow. 
the tree itself could fall in the water. It won't die. It'll keep growing. The thing is just prosperous. It just grows and grows and grows, and you can just cut up with so many people that it continues to grow. Regardless of how bad you treat it, that willow tree will keep growing. I saw a video, a guy cut up about 12 pieces, stuck it in the ground, and he came back over the course of two years, and, and they all grew their own different trees. I was like, this is like a crazy thing, amazing. It also has medicinal purposes. I think aspirin comes from the willow tree as well. Bark, bark, okay? First part. Now, something comes from the willow tree. Talked about it. Do you know? Okay. Okay, thank you. So, so nevertheless, I'm all, I was almost good, but I, I got a burst bark one there. But nevertheless, the point is, they will spring up among grass like the willow trees. Who's the day? It's your, your offspring. He's like, they're going to be resilient. They're going to be strong. They're going to be able to withstand trials and struggles, and they're going to be able to make it. And as a dad, that's what I pray for. Because I know life isn't easy. But if I know my kids have resiliency, I'm going to be okay. I remember my dad, one time I was in Florida trying to come home from college, and this is when I knew I became a man, as he's here. I was like, Dad, I'm in trouble. I'm at the airport. I got like four bags, and they said I can only take one bag. He was like, son, I don't have the wisdom to help you. I'm so glad. Now, if he was here all the time, this would be going on all the time. So, Jared, you know I love you because I'm treating him this way. So, just so you know. He was like, I said, like, you don't got the wisdom to help me. What? And I, so I said, okay, what am I going to do? So then um, the guy at the counter looking at me so frustrated, like, come on, man. Get out of my way. So I found this other, like, bag in my bag, like a, uh, what's it called? A laundry bag, a huge one. And I said, wait a minute. I could stick all my bags in this one laundry bag. There wasn't a weight during that time. They hadn't figured that part out, right? <laughs> so I said, oh, I just need one bag. So I said, okay, pull the laundry bag out. <clears throat> Put it on my back. <clears throat> and the guy's looking at me. He was like, because I beat the system, right? <laughs> I won. And I'm like, I call my dad. Damn, I did it. I got all of them in there. We're good. And I remember years later, he said, I knew you were going to be okay when you got those bags in that bag. I said, no. I got it. Resilient. Because your kids are going to go through situations where, like, they're going to be like, I don't know how to make it. And you're going to be like, you're going to think, like, I don't even know what I would do if I was in that situation. But God's blessing gives them the ability to be resilient despite trials and tribulations. It says, one will say, now, now this is, now, now, even though I just gave that analogy about the willow tree, that's still kind of euphoric, it's kind of out there, it's conceptual, I don't really get it. Now, this is what this, is what this says, and I'm almost done. This is what the blessing actually will mean practically. One will say, I am the Lord's. Now, this is when people say, I'm getting God's blessing. They go back to the different mountains, and they're like, this is the blessing, I'm, I'm this mountain. They look at all the good things, and th this tells you exactly the blessing they will get. One will say, because these children have the Spirit of God, these, these Jewish children have God's Spirit upon them, and they're going to be saved, they're going to have a future, this is what the blessing looks like. One will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. You're like, wait a minute, what, what blessing is this? Another will write with his hand, the Lord. That's actually a tattoo, just so you know, but the authors didn't want to put a tattoo in there because we know that we're not supposed to put tattoos on our body. But nevertheless, we'll see, this is what they're saying. That they will put a tattoo on their body saying God. 
and, and the name and, and name himself, this is somebody else will even name himself the name of Israel. So, so think clearly about what this is saying. Because your children are blessed, this will happen. And what is it saying? This is saying Gentiles, this is non-Jewish people will say they are gods. Non-Jewish people will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Non-Jewish people will put tattoos on themselves saying they're the Lord's. I thought about you when I say that. Non-Jewish people will add to their name Israel, like Augustus, Cyrus, Israel Bass. So what this is saying is these people who are hopeless because your God is faithful, they're going to be children who come from your descendants who are going to rise up and proclaim God's word so effectively that they, these Gentile, the nations, are going to want to be part of what God's doing in our community. How do we know this is true? Because all of us have heard about God through the apostles. Every one of us. And because the Holy Spirit poured out on them, we today call ourselves Christians. That's what that is. Call him, that, that's a surname. That's not, saying like my, that's not saying my name is Anthony, son of William. That's saying my name is Anthony or Messiah. That's what my title is. It's an honorary title. So for us, we are Christians, and I'm really going in the woods here, but I've got to get this point. We call ourselves Christians, but in Hebrew, the name Christian is also Messiah. And so what that's saying is we will call ourselves by this name, Messiah, honorary title, in order to be considered part of Israel. Does that make sense? I worked hard on that one. But the point is, the point is this. When we think that we're blessed, when we want to know that we're loved, the evidence of that is that God has given us his spirit. The pouring out of the Spirit is the fulfillment of God's justification for Israel not to live in fear. If you have God's Spirit in you, you are saved. And if you have God's Spirit in you, there is no reason for you to live in fear. I remember there was an older lady. I read this book my mom gave me a long time ago called The Chicken Soup for the Soul. Anybody ever read that? And, and, and one, of the, one of the stories said, um, see, Mama, I remember everything you gave me. <laughs> And there was something that was, that was written in there. Is an older lady, they asked her, if there's one thing you could change in your life, what would it be? And she was like in her 90s, I think. She said, well, I guess I wouldn't have worried so much. And I was like, oh. How much time have we wasted living in worry, in fear? God refuses to let us live in fear. That's not what he wants. God does not give us that spirit. And that word fear is not phobia, just like you being afraid of, like, you know, tripping. That word is cowardness. God is trying to drive out cowardness from it because it's cowardness that hinders us from spreading the good news, from being persecuted for Jesus. Man, if I do that, I'm going to get in trouble. If I do that, I might lose my job. You're like, well, you got to take care of your family. Well, don't you trust God or not? These people were willing to trust God in Babylon. Remember Daniel? 
He just had to pray three times, and he got thrown in the lion's den. There are no lion's dens around here, but nevertheless, there are consequences for being faithful to God. But do you trust that God will protect you? Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were in Babylon. And what happened to them? Because they wouldn't worship the king, the idol, the statue, they said, you know what? Oh, king, we don't even got to discuss this matter with you. He said, we know that ultimately they're saying, if God delivers us, we'll be okay. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down and worship you. They had committed themselves to God because they trusted him, despite the consequences. Understand that having God's spirit is a reason for us not to live in fear. The question is, do you have God's spirit in you? Do you see God's spirit working in your life in any way? I do. Why? I'm not being proud or boastful. But I do because the Bible says the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace. What else? Come on. Patience. Come on. But nevertheless, these are the evidences of the fruit of the Holy Spirit being in you. Anybody in here used to just fly off the hook or off the handle when things didn't go your way? Anybody? Anybody here used to just control your impulses? Well, oh, I see that. I got to get out. Is anybody else? The thought comes to your mind, it comes out your mouth. There's no stop. Like, once it's there, it's just over, right? <laughs> like... But, but you know what? Now that you're closer to God, what? He, he's, he's changing it now. This is how I am now. Somebody says something, I'm like, and nothing comes. And I walk away, and two minutes later, the thing I should have said to win comes to my mind. I'm like, ah, no! And I realize God has given me this temperance, this self-control. It's not me because I wanted to, rah! But God controlled me. That's the evidence of God's Holy Spirit in your life. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and of sound mind. Can you... Last slide. All right. Remember, there is no fear in love. I wish I was a, as I always say, a better pastor, preacher, a husband, a father. And my prayer often is, God, I just want to please you. I think that's the ultimate prayer you, you need to pray. And I think if you're living your life to please God, then fear should be slowly ebbing away from your life. Does that mean when you drive and somebody cuts in front of you, you're not going, oh, I thought I was going to die? No, that's not what that's fear. That's not that type of fear. It's the fear when God tells you, look, you need to do this for me. Go to the Dominican Republic. <laughs> Go to Israel. Go out there to the community and tell them about me. And you're like, what? Mm, I don't know. I might face rejection. Or somebody might stick their eyebrow up at me and go, you know, the, like the rock eyebrow. And you're like, oh, you're one of those. Oh, no, I don't want to be one of those. <laughs> you get that? It's okay. God gives you love. And understand all those people who, if you go out to help, God loves them with all his heart. And if you love God, you'll help him love them with all his heart. Father God, we thank you today, Lord God. We know, Lord, that um, you're faithful and you're on the throne. I ask you, Father God, for those people who need to be in the Daniel fast and are not, Lord God, I ask you, Lord God, to help them participate, Lord God. Help them overcome any fear and ambition, Lord God. Uh, whatever may be hindering them from doing it, Lord God, and help them engage. If not for a week or two weeks, just for one, Father God. I pray they find peace in your presence. 
for like, uh, Father God, for this church, Father God. I pray, Lord God, we can actively engage in helping bring people to the Super Bowl event, Father God, that some people may be saved, Lord God. We pray that souls will be saved. We pray for great numbers, Father God. We pray for a lot of activity, Father God. We pray, Lord God, that people are engaged in the game, Lord God. And even if the Packers win, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that we'll be faithful to serve you despite our feelings. And Father God, we pray for our families, Lord. Pray, Lord God, that you'll bless them, protect them, watch over them, and our children, Lord God. Lord God, you've given us your spirit, Lord God, and you said that's the reason not to be afraid, Lord God. So we pray, Father God, that you'll let your spirit rest upon our children, that they'll bless, Lord God, you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. Never heard of the sun and the sky. What I was missing was your love, your colors, your light. My search is over, over. I was on my head, I don't have to